Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, everyone. As you've already heard, you know, most people call me Snake. Some of you can call me Richard. Some of you call me old man. You know, it doesn't matter. I'm what you might call a unique pastor. You know? Uh, and do you know how to scare a congregation? Unique up on them. <sighs> anyway, seriously, seriously. Um, we all know that when we make sensible choices in our diets, we reap the rewards of good health, Right? When we cultivate growth in our spiritual life, we're rewarded with peace, joy, and contentment. When we have a good driving record, as some of us do, uh, we're rewarded with cheaper car insurance. You see, funny thing, rewards are woven into the very fabric of our lives. At every level, even the spiritual level. See? So it just makes sense that we would want to live our lives pleasing to God. Amen? Now, um, I'd like to share with you today some of the rewards God has in store for his most precious creation, and that's us. You know, you heard about all, I mean, what an amazing worship time today. I mean, it couldn't have gone better with my message if I'd have planned it all myself. You know, I'm one of those Rubik's Cube guys I like to, you know, you know and, and I'm like, wow, all the promises of God. These are some of those promises also. So, you know, I've wanted to share this message for a while, uh, but this time that I got, it seems like it was God-ordained because it's during Iran's current theme, living the future now goes right along with this, you know. All the award ceremonies going on around our country today. Did, did you know there are about 42 awards programs on the TV in our nation? Yeah, about 42. You know, uh, you could probably watch one every week of the year. You know, I mean, we've got the Oscars, the Prism Awards, the Academy Awards, the Soap Opera Digest Awards, the Grammys, MTV Awards, Guild Music Awards, Country Music Awards. The list goes on and on and on. You know, it seems like we're a nation who likes awards. You know? So, did you know that God, God has his own special red carpet award ceremony planned for us? You know? And it's going to be something like you've never seen before in your life. Never. Never before. It's, you know, uh, uh, the Oscars ain't going to have nothing on what God puts together. You know, um, a lot of people feel that, why should I get a reward for following Jesus? I mean, isn't going to heaven a, a good enough? You know, and there's a train of thought that says that, you know, I, I don't deserve anything more. I, 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 get to, I get to go to jail. But, you know, 
God has a little bit different thing. I believe that way, that my reward is that I'm getting to go to heaven. But I don't think it's biblical. See, when we talk about rewards in heaven, a lot of people get real nervous. I mean, there's a mentality that we're, we're li- if we're living our lives for God out of the goodness of our hearts, why would we need anything special? You know, while this sounds logical and spiritual, um, I believe it's totally out of context with what I read in the Bible recently. The Bible never defends the concept of rewards, but it is accepted as if it's the most natural thing for us to expect. I heard about a a historian, I was listening to a pastor, uh, David Jeremiah, who I really like to hear, and uh, he said there's a historian named Gibbons who identified five things that made the early church in Rome very popular. One of it was the zeal of the early Christians, the power of the miracles that they witnessed, the pure morals of the Christians at that time, the compact organization of the church, and the belief, this is really important, the belief of future rewards and future punishments. As we read through the Bible, we begin to see that rewards were a pretty common theme everywhere we go. Take, for example, Psalm 58, 11. Surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely he is God who judges on the earth. Psalm 62, 12 says, Also to you, O Lord, belongs mercy, for you render to each one according to his work. And when we come to the New Testament, where we find the offer of rewards in the Beatitudes by Jesus himself. Matthew 5, 11, 12, which says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Right from Jesus' mouth. When we go to the last book of the Bible, Revelation twenty-two twelve, and behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me. You know, I don't think Jesus would be saying those things if it weren't if if it wasn't true, and if he wasn't excited about doing it. If it wasn't supposed to be a part of our thought process, if it wasn't supposed to be a part of our uh, our our life. So throughout the entire New Testament, rewards are assumed to be a part of the future Christian experience. Hebrews 6.10 states, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name. Luke 18.29.30, So he said to them, Assuredly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age of eternal life. Mark 9, 41, For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. 
And again, Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels. Careful now, listen. Who shall not receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands. And in the ages to come, eternal life. Now, I mean really now. I know there's some business people in this, in this audience here. Do you know anywhere you can put your money, your time, your talent, that that's going to give you a 100% investment return? I don't think so. Only God. Only God can promise you these things. Fortunately, I wrote all this out. So let's look at how this is all going to come down. The day of heaven's rewards. Because it's kind of interesting. I, 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 I learned some new things that I, I, I thought I didn't have, I, I thought I had right, but I had them wrong. The Bible tells us that after all the believers are taken to heaven by the rapture or resurrection, individual believers will be judged for their works as Christians and special rewards will be given out. This is a clear teaching of the Word of God. This isn't, this isn't imagination in my head. That, you know, and even though we've been saved from our sins, one day all believers will stand before the judgment seat. It's also known as the Bema seat. There are two different judgments, you know. I thought they were the same thing for a long time, and they're not. It says in Romans 14, 12, so then each of us shall give account of himself to God. 2 Corinthians 5, 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Ephesians 6, 8, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And 1 Corinthians three eleven through 15 states, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which as he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But, that's a pretty good but, he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. You know, there's a lot of us that are, that are probably sitting here and around the world, we're, we're going to get into heaven with smoke. You know? Coming out, you know, I mean, whoa, that was close, you know. But, but we're going to get there, amen? You know? Let me be clear, all believers will one day stand in front of Jesus at the judgment seat to be judged, not for our salvation, but for what we've done since we were saved. There's a big difference. 
There's a distinction of heaven's rewards. You know, the judgment seat of Christ is not the final exam for entrance into heaven. A lot of people think that one day we're all going to stand before God and he's going to look at what we've done, all of us, sinners and, and, and saved people, and if we've done enough good things, we'll get into heaven. And if we haven't, go to the left. You know? But that's not that's that, that that's completely false. That's not what the Bible teaches. It teaches that those who have trusted Christ will never again face our sin. We will never again face our sin. You know, a, a lot of people ask, you know, well, I, you know, I know God forgave all my past sins, but what about the sins I, I, I've done in the future? Well, I got a good question for you. When Jesus died on the cross, how many of your sins were past? You know, I, I, just saying. All sins, as far as the east is to the west, he will remember them no more. We just sung a song. I heard a scripture. They are forever forgotten, forever behind us. East is from the west. Galatians 1 4 says, Jesus, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. 1 Corinthians 15 3, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. 1 John 2.12, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. And Romans 8.1, I really like this scripture. There is no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ Jesus. How amazing. You know, I've done a lot of, I, I, I got a lot of sin. So this stuff is especially, especially important to me. You know? So, uh, you know, let's get this straight. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, all your sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven. Now, I know there's some people out there that want to argue that they know Jesus forgave all their past sins, but what about the sins they haven't committed? Well, we just went over that. How many of your sins? So God doesn't look at time the way we do. The judgment seat of Christ is not a place we're going to have to give an account of our sins. They're not even going to be talked about. It's going to be a place where we're going to get rewarded for what we did in service to our Lord, Jesus Christ, since we were saved. How can we be forgiven but still have to answer for what we've done since we've been saved? Well, this is important because forgiveness is about justification. And rewards are about the works the justified have done since in their flesh, since their justification took place. Let me say that again. Forgiveness is about justification. 
and rewards are about the works the justified have done in their flesh since their justification took place. These are not works that, that are done to be saved. These are works that are done because you are saved. Ephesians 2.8.10 says, For by grace we are saved through faith, and that not of ourselves it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And in the very next verse he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, that we should walk in them. We're saved Unto good works. He's got stuff for all of us to do. Each one of us. You're not just saved so you can go back home and sit on your couch and do nothing. Keep your salvation in a little box. You were saved. You were saved so that you can share in the glory and the joy and the peace and the hope and the salvation that you were given. You know, it's funny because the thought that we aren't saved by good works, so why should we do any good works? seems to be invading the entire church culture where you can't even tell who a Christian is and who isn't. And it's very sad. I, I, you know, I, I've been guilty of it myself. And it's completely insane. You guys, it's completely insane. People should see us on the street and see the light shining so brightly in you that they, that they can't do anything else but kind of get attracted to you. They shouldn't, they, they shouldn't go, there's one of them Christians again. <laughs> Goes to church on Sunday for an hour and sins like the devil for 148. <laughs> you know, I know a lot of people who, who've been saved who think they can just float along now and do nothing because they've been saved. And I mean, I guess you could, but why would you want to? Because know that one day everyone's going to be standing before Jesus and give an account for all that. You know, you were saved. You're in heaven. What'd you do? Well, I watched football. I didn't do nothing. There's going to be a lot of tears on that day. Uh, You know, let's get this straight. God doesn't wipe away the tears until after this judgment seat. There's going to be a lot of tears on that day. Tears of joy, tears of happiness. There's going to be a lot of tears of sadness. Take heart and be, and be filled with joy because uh, you wouldn't be standing in that judgment seat 
if you weren't gone, if you weren't in heaven. You know, I, I, I don't know about you, but I want to be, I don't want to be standing before God lacking. I, I don't want to, I don't want to walk up and have him look at me and go, well, so, meet your snake. Since you were saved, what'd you do? Let's look. At, let's take a look. And out comes the camera. No, I, I want that to be a joyous time. I don't know. That's just me. You know, I've heard that our eternal destination. This, this, this is another one of them bullet points that you might might like to hear. Our eternal destination is the consequence of what we believe on earth. And our eternal compensation is the consequence of how we behave on earth. You need to hear that again? Our eternal destination is the consequence of what we believe on earth. In other words, if you believe in Jesus, your consequence is you're going to heaven. Our eternal compensation, that's the pay value, is the consequence of how we behave on earth. See, one is behavior and the other is belief. Two separate things. There's a lot of people in the Bible who started out walking with the Lord real tough. And then they, they, they blew it big time. Look at Lot. Samson. Saul. King Saul. Uh, even newer. Ananias and Sapphira. Remember them? No? Uh, uh, they were Christians. And still are. They just... Made some bad choices. When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, it's not about whether we're getting into heaven. Know this. If you're in the judge, standing in front of the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat, it's not about whether you're getting into heaven. You're already there. The tribulation is going to be going on whirlwinds down here. It's about how we lived our lives since being saved and what kind of stewards we were with the gifts God gave us. So are we all together now? Okay, good deal. We're, going, we're either going to be dead in our bodies with our spirits with the Lord or we're going to be alive when the Lord returns and we're all going to be caught up together. This is going to be a miraculous thing. I know we're going to freak a lot of people out. You know? <clears throat> we're going to be all caught up together on that great and glorious day. And as soon as we get to, get, get to heaven, mind you, as soon as we get to heaven, while the tribulation and all the terror and chaos and everything else is going on down here, we're going to be giving an account of our lives after we were saved. And hopefully, 
hopefully hear from the Lord, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I don't know about you, but that, that, that's what I want to hear. Amen? Okay, so interestingly enough, there are some rewards mentioned in the Bible over and over by the prophets, Paul, and many others, even Jesus himself. So here we go. Are we ready? Y'all ready? All right, let me check my time here. Ooh, God, talk faster, Richard. All right, the first crown, the victor's crown. It's also known as the incorruptible or imperishable crown. 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27 says, Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body into submission. I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Now, let, let's give you, let me give you a little history on that. Paul is talking to a group who probably would have been Greeks, and they had two types of games back then. They had the Olympian games and the Ispian games. They, that's the two games they had that went on at those times. Uh, you know, to get into those games, they had to prove rigorous training for 10 months to prove themselves worthy. Not everybody could just jump in and go, I want to play. So Paul is talking about service and rewards, not salvation and life. The dedicated athlete had to learn to discipline their body to win a perishable prize. So how much more do we as Christians have to discipline our bodies to win an imperishable prize? You know, in today's culture, we face a whole new kind of disciplining structure. Because walking with God takes personal sacrifice, you guys. And it's not even necessarily sacrifice from evil things. But they're things that prevent the full devotion of our soul to God. I mean, in an age of luxury like we have here, it's not going to be easy to train your body, or mine for that matter, to do what we want it to do. We can't live an engorged lifestyle as most of us do today. We're going to have to train our bodies to get up early in the morning when we're too tired. And I just need five more minutes and study the Word of God. We're going to have to say no to some things so we can say yes to some more things, more important things. We're going to have to, this is a tough one for me. We're going to have to learn to turn off the TV sometimes to prepare a lesson. Or you'll be up till 4.35 o'clock in the morning doing it. You've got to take away time from the things we want to do and not be slaves to our bodies like so many of us are. You know, it's funny. Our bodies tell us what to eat, how much to eat, what to wear, how much sleep we can do, uh, where we're going for dinner, on and on and on. And a true athlete can't, can't allow that. You know, if we want to be in line for this crown, this victor's crown, we are truly going to have to buckle down and become disciplined for the Lord. This award is going to be given to those who are willing to discipline their bodies as Paul did. That's a tough act to follow. 
It's not going to be easy. And I'm sure some of us are sitting there, sitting here right now going, well, take me off that list. I had five waffles, eight pieces of bacon, and four sausages this morning. No, I'm just kidding you. But are you training to become a better follower of Jesus? Look, look, he's not looking for perfection. He's looking for willingness. Are you willing to try? The crown of rejoicing. The soul winner's crown. We got a lot of soul winners, I know, right here in this building right now. I know who some of you are. And I'm honored to be a part of your lives. You know, 1 Thessalonians 2.19, it says, For what is our hope, our joy, or crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? And Philippians 4.1, which states, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you who I love and long for, my joy and my crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Paul was looking at the Thessalonians and the Philippians and going, you're my crown of rejoicing. I brought you next to Jesus. I took Jesus to you. You're my crown. It's about leading others to Christ. I know a lot of you in here. You do that daily. I watched our pastor go out to lunch with me the other day and immediately go right into prayer with some poor young lady. I have a partner that goes out almost daily and, and regales me with stories of excitement and restoration and redemption. Yeah. He's saying the crown of rejoicing is about leading others to Christ. So how can you do that? Well, you can use your testimony and the gifts God has given you to bring others to him. Step out of your comfort zones. Take a risk. Go talk to someone who's hurting, lonely. Tell them about what Jesus did for you. Invest. When was the last time you shared about what Jesus did for you with somebody? A neighbor? A colleague? Anyone? You know, like I said, we have some people in this church that like to go out. Go talk to them. Go talk. They, they would love to take you with them. Go see some miracles. Go get you a soul winner's crown. Then we come to the crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4.8 Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all have longed for his appearing. Paul is saying this crown is reserved for those who have deep 
and longing desire to see and be with the Lord. You know, this, this reminds me of uh, a dearly departed brother right now. Because I would definitely say my brother Fred had a longing to be with Jesus. He, he, he was ready. He got to minister to uh, my, my friend Jack the Jew, who's now uh, a Messianic Jew, uh, saved by Jesus. And, and, and Jack tells every single person he meets, Jesus saved his life, Jesus saved his life. He, he, you know, he talks about a place he found in hell called Nate's Meat Market. You don't want to go there. And he, t- he you don't want to go there. He's adamant. And he don't care whether you want to hear him or not. Jack's going to tell you. And he told Fred. And Fred was so inspired. They got to sit there together and share their salvation. What an honor. Um, is your heart set firmly on Jesus and his kingdom? couple questions you might want to ask God. Is your heart's desire to be with him, to touch the hem of his cloak and be healed? Do you long to see him? You're in line for one of those crowns. The crown of life, also called the martyr's crown. I know a lot of us don't want this one. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And Revelations 2.10, Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you into prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. So this crown is given in recognition of enduring and triumphing over trial and temptation, persecution, death. You know, all over our world today, there are people that are dying for the sake of the gospel. For speaking out the name of Jesus, they could get whipped, shot, killed, hung. You know, when you go through all the struggles and persecutions that so many of them have, Trusting God to see you through it all, focusing only on His love and strength. So many of the men and women that fought to preserve our freedoms in the early stages, I think it's very likely they will be in line for one of those crowns. Some of those that we support in the war-torn countries where it's illegal to even mention Jesus' name. Maybe you're just one of those people that faces constant struggles and temptations right now, right here in this city. And you're doing it for God's sake. You're trusting God and moving forward. You're Probably in line for one of those crowns. 
Now we come to the last one, the crown of glory. I'm kind of I'm kind of excited about this one. The crown of glory, 1 Peter 5, 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. The reason I'm kind of excited about this one, this is for like uh, pastors, preachers, church leaders, and not just us. If you lead a home group, a small group, if you're out there in a missions field, you know, if you lead people, you care about people, you shepherd a group of people, you know them by name, you know all their challenges, you pray for them every morning, you make sure that the snacks are ready when they're coming over. You know what I mean? You have the love of a shepherd. It's not different. It's not that hard. You may do an you may do an NA meeting and just have that love for the for 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 the group of people that you have, and you shepherd them all. That's being a shepherd. That's caring about others besides yourself. You're in line for that crown too. You ain't got to be a pastor. Now, we got all that? Okay, so uh, those are the five that I found that are mentioned by name in the Bible. And this is just some of the unbelievable rewards that God has ready for us on that special day. And, and, and it's like, let me say this again. This isn't about being a Christian and believing in Jesus. My hope is you're already a Christian right now if you're sitting here. And if you're not, you don't have to worry about it because you won't be at that judgment seat. But we don't want to be there because that's not going to be a very, you know, there's going to be another judgment, excuse me. And it's called, that's the second one, the great white throne judgment. And uh, we don't want to be there. It's not going to be a, a happening place. And we won't be there because we'll be in heaven. Let me give you just a few more things to consider before I wind this down. One, remember that the Lord himself is our chief reward. Don't ever forget that. The Lord is our chief reward. This is a tricky one. Resist doing good works outwardly just for the purpose of receiving a reward. You know, um, why do you serve the Lord? You know, we're, you know we're, us Americans, we're good at posturing, especially as Christians. I want to look good. I want to feel good. I want everybody to see what I'm doing. Be careful of that stuff. Be careful of that stuff. And I want you to reflect on the ultimate goal that any award you receive, reflect on what the ultimate goal is because I want you to, I want you to know about something. You know, um, I'm pretty excited about having how much you. It's like, uh, don't you want to? Don't you want to be there when God is handing out crowns? He goes, Ron, Ron. I want to be there. I want, I want to get a crown. And not because I want to look good. 
Because the crowns are something for the quite opposite. Because when all the crowns are handed out, and we've all walked down the red carpet, and we've all found, found ourselves just like in utter awe of what's going on around us, oh my God! The 24 elders are going to bend down, and we're all going to lay our crowns at the foot of Jesus. I want to be able to lay something down there. So uh, I wasn't going to do this, but I got a few minutes. Sure. Uh, I want to tell you all a little story. Uh, and this one, I've, I think I've told it before, but I think it truly applies to this lesson. There was a missionary couple who spent their lives in service to God in Africa. Okay? They were returning home to the States and happened to book passage back on a ship that just happened to be carrying the then president, Theodore Roosevelt. He was returning home from one of his famous legendary hunting trips. Well, as you might imagine, the fanfare for the president was off the hook with everyone wanting to get close to the great man, to, to try to get a picture, try to shake his hand. Uh, you know, and nobody was concerned with this missionary couple. The man, probably a lot like me, uh, told his wife how upset this made him, stating, we spent our whole lives in service to God, and not even a thank you. But here's this president returning from a hunting trip, and everyone is falling over themselves just to get next to him. Well, as the boat came to the docks, all the dignitaries lined up to meet the president, as he disembarked, and the couple left the ship silently to see what kind of housing they could secure and find some way to live the rest of their lives. They found a little one-room flat in New York where the man began to grumble to his wife once again, telling her how mad he was at God for treating them this way and how he just couldn't handle it anymore. Well, the wife told the husband that he should go into the, into the other room privately with God and tell him all about it. What a lucky man you are to have such a wife. I have one of those. So, you know, the man, you know, listened to his wife. He went into the room and he started telling God all about uh, what was going on. And he came back a few moments later with a new look on his face. And the wife asked him, what happened in there? And the man said, well, I told God how unfair I thought he'd treated us and, and, and you. And, and I told him how angry I was. And it just wasn't fair that everybody should get all this fanfare. And we just gave our whole lives to, to service to God. And God, as he does, sat back and listened to all my complaints and cries and moans and and he simply told me this. Put his hand on my shoulder and he said, uh, but you're not home yet, son. You're not home. I want you guys to think about that. So uh, I'd like to invite the worship band to come on back up. And uh, uh, I just want to take a moment while they play in the background to give an opportunity for anyone out here 
that either is not yet accepted the free gift of God's Son to be freed from all your sins and take your place firmly in the family of Christ. Maybe you just walked back into the family after wandering around for a while and you want to rededicate your lives back to God. You don't have to do anything spectacular. I'm not going to make you jump up and come running up here. Calm down. All I need you to do is just bow your heads right now and repeat after me. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me my sins. Cleanse me of anything that is not of you. Lead me in your gentle spirit ways and help me to live my life for you. Help me to be worthy of earning a crown to lay at your feet on that glorious day. Amen. Now, if you just said that prayer, the Bible states that there's angels in heaven right now having a party. I want to thank you all for coming. Um, bless you all. Have a beautiful day. There'll be some prayer people up here. If you've got some special needs that you have to, you, you want prayer for, maybe you just said that prayer and you're a new believer and you want to talk to somebody about what that means. You know, uh, Maybe you need a church to go to. This one's open. You know, but there's churches all over. Don't, don't let being put off here stop you from chasing Jesus. We love you. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.